Welcome back once again to the two-in-one podcast with Sterling, Madison, and Mike here. And this week, we're going to talk about the Century Tournament of the Champions. Definitely a more exciting finish than I think any of us expected at the beginning of the day. Probably not for the reasons that uh, anyone really would have wanted to see. So, Madison, what are your uh, what are your initial takes on what we saw today? Yeah, I um, I, I don't really know. Um, clearly, John Rahm went out and took it. I mean, that's really what it was. Um, you know, you'll kind of look back, and I'm sure people will, and think that you know, Colin just kind of you know, he lost the tournament today, but, you know, he still finished under par granted, you know, we were talking a little earlier, you know, being one or two under on this course, isn't really, I guess, under par. I mean, it is, but it's not the the course is kind of there to take. Right. Um, but yeah, John Rom goes out and shoots 10 under and absolutely just laps the field and runs down Colin Morikawa. It's, it's surprising. Um, after three really strong rounds from, from Colin, um, it really kind of looked like he had everything together again. Um, kind of what we initially saw when Colin came out on tour, right. It seemed like he was, he was winning everything or he was always in contention and then comes out, shoots 64, um, first round 66, the second round 65 round three, and then comes out today and shoots a 72. Um, so yeah, completely unexpected. I, I kind of thought that it was you know, just going to be a, uh, you know, an easy, easy finish. He was just going to be able to walk it in and continue a strong play, but um surprised, surprised. Uh, that's all I can really say. Yeah. And honestly, even the front nine, after 33 on the front nine, you know, maybe showed a little, a little bit of a chink in the armor on nine when he didn't make birdie on a par five, Um, you know, but that's the kind of thing that he certainly, could have come back from, could have righted the ship and and really just kind of fended off all the challenges, but definitely left the door open for Rom to come in and do what he did. And, you know, as much as, you know, as much as I love the fact that, hey, I got my pick right this week, I did not like seeing it happen that way. Yeah, huge shout out to Mike for uh, taking John Rom and him and John Rom winning. Um, but the thing with Colin, like, very surprising. It was it was all about his wedges, right? I think uh, Kapalua is a super wide open golf course. Driving is just not an issue for anyone here. Uh, hazards aren't really in play, and it, it came down to his wedges and also his putting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's been working on his putting a lot. We're talking about he has this whole short game like squad that he works with. Uh, I know he made some putter changes this off season. And it, again, it started out great. Rounds one, two, and three, flawless, right? Um, Six-shot lead to start the day, nine shots clear after the first hole, um, nine shots clear of John Rahm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the wedges, just he was flubbing some. He scolded out of the bunker. The balls are rolling back to his feet. It was just it was very tough to watch. Yeah, I'll say that aspect of the game looked very familiar. Um, I mean, especially my last my last couple of rounds. So um, it it was definitely very relatable. But when you've seen someone for the first three rounds of the tournament execute those shots with just, you know, um, no issues whatsoever. And then to see him go out there and like you said, just kind of skull one out of a um, out of a bunker. And then um, I can't remember what hole it was. He he left himself a good shot. I think it was seven, 16 or 17 drove it down, just left it short of the bunker. I think he, they said he had about 74 yards in 
And they kept saying, all you have to do is just make sure you get it past the false front, past the false front. And what's he do? He hits a shot and it barely gets onto the green and rips back and rolls back down the hill. So, um, I mean, pretty much at that point, it was, it was all, all said and done for him. I mean, he kind of need, you know, a couple of really good shots together, but once he, he left that one short, it was, I think it was pretty much a wrap. Yeah, I believe that yeah. was 16. Um, and I mean, he, he was at that, that at that time, geez, he was only two shots back. He could have gone birdie, birdie, 17 and 18. Eventually, John Rahm ended up birdieing 18 to go three up. But um, he still had a chance. Um, almost hold like a 50-footer on 17 for birdie. That didn't drop. And then, you know, on 18, he had to hole out for an albatross to even have a chance. You know, and certainly the short game was there for the first the first three and a half days of the tournament. And I wonder, Sterling, you know, do you think that uh, it really is just that that back nine on Sunday and old habits start to creep in? You know, it's one thing to be able to do it on the range. It's another thing to be able to do it in a practice round. It's yet another thing to do it in competition, but not in the heat of battle late on a Sunday afternoon. And that that's really where, you know, that's where the flaws start to show. That's where, you know, do you start reverting to the old tendencies when you really get under the gun? Mm-hmm. Does anyone know what kind of grass they have there at Capilouth? A lot of really grainy Bermuda, isn't it? So that yeah, that's what I think it is. Like I know I heard on the broadcast this afternoon, like it's very grainy. So so one thing that I'm thinking is, you know, it's not an issue. The grain's not an issue when you have full wedges into greens, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I I didn't get a chance to watch round you know one through three a whole lot, and I just saw the back nine today. But like if you have a bunch of full wedges into the greens on the the first three rounds. Really not going to have an issue. But as soon as you have that one, like, 50-yard, touchy-feely 60-degree, and you flub it, then it's just in your head. And it's really hard to get over that. So that's what I think um, happened to Colin today. You know, and do you need that kind of, I don't want to call it a choke shot, but that that go-to shot that you can rely upon under pressure and maybe it's, Maybe it's not the pretty one that's going to get you to within five feet, but you also know that it's going to, it's going to get on the green. You're not going to chunk it. You're not going to lay the sod over it. You're not going to get stuck into the green when the green's growing into you. You know, is that something that that players need, especially if they're not a Jordan Spieth, if they're not, you know, if they don't have the greatest pair of hands on earth? I think at their level, you have to have the shot because if you're not making, if you're, if you're not giving yourself a chance at birdie from, you know, you want to hit a 50 yard shot, hopefully inside 10 feet every time. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing that on the PJ tour, you're probably not competing. So for us at our level, yes, you want to have that go-to shot uh, from a grainy 50 yard lo- uh, shot, but for them, like you got to be able to, you know, take out your 60 or take out your 58, hit a high soft one, maybe some sort of, low spinner it, it you have to hit it inside you know 10 feet to give yourself a chance for birdie yeah but i, I guess m- the question that i guess i have is you know he was driving the ball into pretty much the same places that he'd been all week you know off the tee so you know he'd had those shots all week so it's not like he was you know 
driving, you know, hitting driver on a hole that he hit two iron on, or he hit five wood on or anything like that. And giving him these different yardages. I mean, he's just going through the same thing, but I think it was more of a, a mental thing, right? You know, if once you start seeing the wheels start to fall off, you know, it just becomes the rubber really starts just coming apart at that, at that time. And that's when it, the issues start. It'd be different if it, you know, the weather had changed today or, you know, like maybe the wind was up and he was having to hit different shots. But I mean, it was basically benign and it played the way it had all week. So he really didn't need to do anything different than what he'd done the first three rounds. Right. But I'm wondering, like the the chunk pitch shot on 15, where he tried to hit, you know, he tried to hit that shot that he's been working on with Parker McLaughlin all this time. And for the first three and a half rounds, really executed flawlessly. A bunch of times but you know if it's different when you're starting to you're starting to go numb you're starting to lose the feeling in your hands your heart's starting to race all of a sudden things are a little different and you know do you either do you hit that shot and say look i'm either just gonna i'm gonna win it or lose it here you know or do you go to a safe shot you know maybe bump it up that hill something like that hit a low runner and yeah you're probably going to leave yourself 15, 20 feet instead of five to 10 feet, but you're also not likely to have it roll back to you. Mm-hmm. you know, again, I can't, I can't say I'm not in that. I'm not in that kind of position, but he was still, he still had a good chance to close yeah. it out. If he could have just gotten the ball on the green and made no worse than a par on 15. Yeah, you're right in hindsight. I mean, but, at a and it's easy like for me this. to say. It's easy yeah. for me to say. I know it is. And I just think at a tournament like this, like maybe if it was like the Masters or US Open or like um, at Jack's Place or Arnold Palmer, like a super tough venue where birdies aren't, you know, there for the taking on every hole, I think you would be right. But I think since it's, this is just such a birdie fest, I think you got to go for it. I think like because it. I know they finished three shots apart, but I mean, again, looking back on it, just par, like par doesn't do anything for him. Right. But bogey puts him right. further away. Um, sure. So, so I, you I, lose by, you lose by one instead of losing by three. So you're saying it's better just to go ahead and risk it. Cause I mean, you either, you lose by a shot if you try and play it safe or you go out there and try and, and take advantage Win. of the birdies. Right. I mean, yeah. it's Colin Morikawa. It's, 39 players in the field, a two-time major champion. Like he's there to win. We're not, we're not, it's not a layup, but you know, we're not playing at 20 feet out um, and hoping we can roll a birdie in. Yeah. Is it, is it, does it surprise you that his first bogeys of the week came in this final round on the back nine? Yes. Yeah. Only player in the week to bogey 14 and 15 back to back only player this week. Yeah just kind of a, an incredible stat. And I mean, he's played that. I, I don't know what, I don't know, Mike, if you have his, um, his previous rounds up, what he'd done um, the other days. Let's see. Round three, he birdied both of the holes, um, birdied both of them in round two and birdied both of them in round one. So clearly mm-hmm. he knows how to play the hole um, and had <laughs> done it successfully the first two days. So it, it almost seems like it had to have been either some sort of nerves or something got out of whack that really kind of led him down this path and um, ultimately ended up losing. You know, and I've sure. got to wonder if the if the skull bunker shot really just kind of 
stunned him so much that from there on in, it was, you know, he was back on his heels. When he scored that bunker, get comfortable. when he scored the bunker shot, what was his lead? So he scored it on 14. I think they maybe. were tied then. Were they both at 26? I think so. That sounds right. Okay. I think they were tied then. But yeah, I, he was, I, I do think that surprised him. He was three him. under. He was three under for the day going into that hole. So he was at 27. Okay. So he's at 27, he scores the bunker shot, fails right. to get up and down, makes bogey. It makes bogey. Ties the, now he's tied with John Rom. Mm-hmm. Now he's tied with John Rom. So, I mean, you got to wonder, he doesn't hit his tee shot into that bunker. What happens? He, he gets wins. a little bit better. He gets a little bit better break. The ball, his tee shot rolls around the bunker instead of into it. You know, hits a hits an old divot and kicks left instead of kicking right and rolling into the bunker. Yeah. You know. 2. He chunks 7. it on the green. He chunks it on the green, makes par. 2.7 million gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to settle, not to settle for a million. And but his first win in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of a sudden now he's not the guy who hasn't won in a year and a half. He's the guy who just won an hour ago. Makes you think about yourself a whole lot different. Yep. Yeah. But uh, congratulations to John Rong. Congratulations to Callaway. Callaway and TaylorMade, um, both kind of releasing their new products um, at the start of the year. Uh, real quick before we get into John Rong, have you all seen the drivers i'm assuming you both have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah do you have a favorite between the two? Oh, between each brand um between the paradigm and the stealth is the stealth 2.0 it's the yeah. Stealth two, yeah i don't know I, I i i like the callaway honestly and i don't know if it's that that bluish color somebody i saw somebody on twitter compared it to like a bowling ball like you know how you go to the, oh, the bowling yeah, alleys and they have yeah. like those swirled balls on there I was like, man, that does kind of remind me of that. But I still like the the look of it, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I think that would probably be my choice this year. I think, you know, from what I heard about how the soul of every paradigm is going to be different, it's going to look different because of the uh, the way they're compressing and forging the carbon for the soul. I think that's really cool. Kudos to Callaway for doing something really, really different and original. But if I had to guess which one is going to perform better, I think TaylorMade refining on the stealth that seemed to work pretty well last year. I'm going to bet that uh, that's probably going to be the driver to beat. But with Callaway basically changing their platform, you know, I think what you're going to see out of Paradigm 2, Paradigm 3, whatever in the next few years is probably going to be really great. So I think it's going to be a really cool year. for Yeah, I agree from a performance standpoint. I, I agree with you there, Mike. Um, but I do think Callaway is heading in the right direction. I think each oh, yeah. year of the last few years, they've been kind of closing that gap with TaylorMade. Um, just on, on, I'm just thinking drivers um, for right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, I, I wish Madison wouldn't have made that bowling ball comment because now I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> like, just visually, I love the look of the Callaway, but now yeah. I'm just like, man, he's he's right. And that's just a tough now, one. I, 
I might be even more in on the Callaway now. Not that I'm a bowler at all, but <laughs> Kingpin is one of my favorite movies, and uh, you know that that yeah. might do it. That might do it for me. Yeah, I think you know, like you said, I think it is going to be a cool year for drivers. Obviously, Ping has yeah. their um, their new driver out as well. Um, mm-hmm. Saw Strixon um, release theirs. Obviously, we have a couple people in the field playing that. But when you look at like really kind of what the two powerhouses are now, right? And it is going to be Callaway and TaylorMade with the success that the Stealth had last year, with even a lot of the players who were not under contract choosing that as their driver. Yes. Um, if they've done anything to improve it, you know, year over year, which I'm sure they'll say they have, but you know, we know sometimes that the results really aren't there. It's just a new package. Um, I, I still see that probably being the number one driver. You know, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up is what are the guys who are not under contract for a driver's class? When you can choose, you know, when you can choose from anything that's out there, what are you picking up? And I think that's, you know, that that says a lot. You know, speaking of which, so Patrick Cantlay, no more equipment contract. Mm-hmm. free agent should be interesting i didn't i haven't looked at his what's in the bag but you know, yeah interesting that a player of his caliber with no equipment deal at all well also no clothing deal either um he and hugo boss parted ways um he and Titleist parted ways and i'm not sure mm-hmm. i guess i'm not really sure why i i don't know and this is just way like super conspiracy theory kind of out of out of left field Oh, I think I know where this may be. Going. It seems like he has been approached more and more about the conversation or the topic of live. He's very, um, you know, on the fence. He understands the the point of it. He's not mad about it or or anything like that. So it could be that some of the brands now, as the the game of golf is becoming even more fractured, are starting to to choose more sides about who they want to really kind of push the brand mm-hmm. and that could be another reason that um that they're they're looking to do that but if it's purely just that he wants the best equipment for his game then that makes total sense like i, I agree 100 yeah. percent um because i mean there's only a few players i think that benefit from a full bag deal where everything is that manufacturer um but a lot of them i mean you know if they could choose another another driver or they could choose different wedges or they could have another putter, would they? There's a good chance that they would. So I guess we'll just wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So um, getting back to John Rahm and the Century Tournament of Champions, uh, final round 63 with a bogey on the first hole. What does this say about John Rahm and potentially what kind of 2023 he could have? Well, one of the reasons I picked him is because he really did close strongly at the end of last year on the DP World Tour. So, you know, he really was starting to show some form. And I think that, you know, this is just proof that he kind of got out of the doldrums of last year. Last year was not a John Rom kind of year, which is which is kind of crazy to say because it was still pretty good. It you know, still won on the PGA Tour, but probably not up to his standards. But you know, I, I think he's definitely going to be one of the top players to watch this year, bar none. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I, I've always thought John Rahm's a, a phenomenal player, and he always seems to to kind of have it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, to to bogey the first hole and then come out and just shoot lights out, just like check into another, you know, another level of game. Shoots 11 under in his last 17 holes. And it just, it, I mean, it's it's crazy. But, you know, there's, I guess there's really kind of two types of players, right? The people who can kind of get out fast and just kind of try and hope they maintain their lead. And then the people that, you know, they just, put their nose to the ground and, you know, even behind, behind the eight ball, they find a way to win. And that's what John Rahm is. I mean, he putted great today. He had all the shots. Um, and, you know, if this is anything of how he's going to play this year, it's going to be, you know, a tough, tough Ryder cup year. Yeah. USA might be in some trouble. John Rahm, Rory, trying to think who else. Who else for the European side? Fitzy, Fitzy played reasonably well. P seven, yeah, and yeah, so should be interesting. You know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that we want to turn this into a Ryder Cup preview this, uh, this <laughs> probably, early. They're gonna probably need, not this they're, early. <laughs> yeah, they're going to need to show some more depth, I think. Though, so yeah. Um, but, speaking of the Ryder Cup, though, one player that I think we all had high hopes for heading into this tournament, and Madison, you picked him. Um, I know you made some comments over the weekend about his putter. <laughs> selection or putter choice uh justin thomas i don't know we saw him at the match played pretty well against tiger and rory um and just kind of fell flat in this first tournament of the year so madison any any fears any worries um no i felt like i got screwed this week i'm just gonna say it um like and this is this is kind of going back to maybe what we were talking about um, a couple of weeks ago. Like, how serious do you think some of the players take this tournament? So Justin Thomas puts into play this week a putter that he putted with in middle school, and his the his reasoning for it. I think Jonathan Wall on on Twitter was asking or something about it. He was like, "I just like the way it feels," and you know, I just you know, no sense in denying it. Yeah, but how many times have you won with that? That's what I want to know because I can tell you the, the the putter that you've had in your bag for most of your career, that Scotty Cameron, you've won with. You've been very successful with that. So at what point are you just like, you know what? I've got this laying around my garage. I'm just going to throw it in the bag this week and then take it down to uh, to Hawaii with me. So it's one thing if he thought, you know, hey, I, I really want to switch completely. Not even like I'm going to go from just an older, you know, an older version of what I have now to go from a mallet to a blade. Is it? that you really think that you put that well with it, or you, you want to really try and make the jump to a blade, or is it just kind of like this tournament, no cut, I'm getting paid to just show up. Let me throw it in the bag and I'll have, you know, I'll have some fun with it and relive some memories. Cause that's kind of what it felt like. So yeah, I do feel like I got a little screwed this week. I wish I would have had that little tidbit of information before making my pick, but you know, we'll, we'll just take it in stride, but no, I'm not worried. Um, I will be worried if he shows up to the Ryder cup with that putter in the bag. Um, but as of right now, no, I'm not worried. Yeah. I mean, I think you answered your own question. Like what's the risk reward, right? I mean, what's the risk? It's a no cut guaranteed money. I think last place made $200,000. Yep. Um, you, you throw a blade in, you potentially put the best you ever have in your career and you win or, you know, you finish middle of the pack and no one really remembers what happened. Now I read where supposedly he travels with that. He brings it with him all the time. So he does have it with him. It's just that he never puts it in play. 
Well, it needs needs to stay in the hotel room. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Madison, you're you're known for switching putters. I mean, yeah, but I'm not I'm not going out there trying to win millions of dollars or like try and and have some sort of career earnings, career um, stats get into the Hall of Fame. Like he puts really well with that putter. So why switch? Why do you switch each week? Because I don't putt very well. I disagree. It's it's the truth. I don't putt very well. So that's why for me, sometimes, you know, if I'm not feeling as confident, I might switch to the mallet. It gives me a little a little more stability. But when I feel like the stroke is good, I might go back to the, the blade, which is like what I'd like to see when I look down at it. But once again, I'm a nine nine one and he's a professional golfer making millions of dollars. There's no no chance. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you put both- that in play. At the end of the day, you're both trying to play the best golf you can. I think one of your goals for what? I think one of your goals for 2023 should just be to keep a putter in the bag for more than three months. Okay. Let's figure. So, so your mother-in-law got yes. Well, no, you keep going, and then I'm going to ask my question. All right. Your mother-in-law got you the putter stand. Yep. Right. So how many putters are on that stand currently? It's full. I need it. I need a number. Um, I want to say probably six. Okay, That's it may be bad. it may be seven. All right. So let me ask. Actually, let me let me start with a question to Madison. Madison, how many of those putters were you fitted for? No, not a single one. That is, yeah. I will say this, Mike. That is the one one piece of my game that I've never been fit for. I've been fit for irons. I've been mm-hmm. fit for woods before. Um, well, I guess I've never been fit for wedges, but for a club that you use basically on every hole, never been fit for it. I mean, Sterling, do you think that's potentially part of the problem that someone, an expert needs to tell Madison, this is the putter for you. Stick with it. It works. This is why it works. When it doesn't work, you power through it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at this point, he's got, he's, He's tested out seven different ones. You'd think he would. He's kind of fitted himself. <laughs> so you got to think one of them are, is perfect for him. Um, okay, so you have seven putters. Yep. You like the look of a blade. Mm-hmm. Out of all the putters, what's your favorite blade putter? Um, well, the one I'm currently using, I like a lot. The Adele? Uh, the Adele. So that will probably stay in the bag. And the reason I like that is, is because I like the look of the like the plumber's neck. Um, but it doesn't like me necessarily. Like I, I don't I try and keep the face pretty, pretty square and that you do kind of want to arc it just a little bit. Um, so this Adele, it's it's kind of a plumber's neck, but the shaft goes down and it kind of holds it up like it would almost be a center shaft. So it kind of really gets you focused more over the ball. Um, so I do like that one. That would be my favorite. Before then, though, my um, my Betonardi blade would be my favorite. Wow. So you yep. got Nadell, Betonardi. They're just sitting there. So Madison's putter collection is going to put his kids through college, is what I heard. <laughs> That's what I heard, too, Mike. I didn't want to say it, but, um, you know. Yeah, he's got a great collection there. Um, so you you also just said the the Adele is more of an arc 
style putter? No. But, oh, I'm sorry. That you didn't say that. The the Betnardi is it said the plumber's neck, uh-huh. like the plumber's neck, um, the hosel on it or whatever. The plumber's neck is more of a an arc, an open arc um, stroke on it, and I like to try and keep the face as straight as possible. Like I try not to arc it, just because I feel like that helps. That causes me to get my hands really far inside. So the Adele gives you the look of the plumber's neck, but gotcha. where the shaft actually comes in, it actually extends a little bit further. So the shaft comes in here instead of straight down like normal. So it comes in at an angle. And if you were to to basically follow that line straight down where the shaft meets, it would almost be a center shafted putter. So it is giving you more of like that straight back and forth stroke, but still giving the, the look of the plumber's neck. I got you. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we're going to stick with the Adele putter for three months. Yeah, I might. I mean, I'm going to keep it in as long as possible. I really do like it. Let's go ahead and just trade in those other six. For what? So oh, Sterling says, <laughs> Sterling says burn the boats. Yes. Yeah, yeah no way to the shore, you're going to burn the boats. Yeah. No no way to go back. I mean, that's maybe what I should tell uh, JT as well. I'd be like, look, let's burn them together. Let's trade them in together. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. you make a pack. The two of you make a pack. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So to go ahead and just slide into his DMs. Listen here, JT. Didn't work out for either of us. Let's just go ahead and uh just send them on their way. Yep. Um, so PGA Tour heading uh still in Hawaii. They are going to Wailai for the Sony Open. I believe Hideki Matsuyama is the defending champion. Mm-hmm. Um won in a playoff last year against does anyone know? Anyone remember? Stack I Madison, you want to look that up? Well, um, we kind of preview the tournament here. Um, but Hideki's in the field. Um, obviously, this is not an elevated event. Um, a lot more players. They will have a cut. Um, a couple of notable players in the field. We have Tom Kim, Jordan Spieth, uh, Webb Simpson's in the field. Um who else we got? We've got, Adam Sc- We've got Adam Scott. There you go. We've got folks like, let's see, Siwoo Kim. Mm-hmm. Cole Hammer. Looking for Cole Hammer. Looking forward to seeing him. Former Harry US Higgs. Open champion, Lucas Glover. There you go. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. my pick from last week. So a pretty solid field. Uh, should be interesting featured groups to watch this weekend. Uh yes. Do you want to go ahead and get into picks as well while Madison is looking up the runner-up from last year? It was Russell Henley. That's mm-hmm. right. It was Russell Henley. Mm-hmm. Who is back. Got some unfinished business. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. So, Mike, you um, you won the tournament champions by picking John Rom. So you get the first pick for this week. So you are locking in. I am locking in Sungjae. So okay, I'll take him one week after you. And decent, so, decent showing this week. Decent yeah. showing, knock, knock the rust off, and uh, you know I expect great things from him. It's so funny he'll probably win now too, since it, yeah, since you picked him and I didn't. Uh, so I came in second, and I'm gonna take Tom Kim. Just feel like mm. this is one of those events that. He's either going to play really well, get a top five finish, or he's going to win. So, yeah, I think um, Tom Kim's a great choice. I, I I think he's probably playing with a little more freedom. 
I, I guess. I mean, he kind of he made a name for himself last year with his win, then moving on to the President's Cup. Um, obviously, big endorsement deal with Nike now. I feel like he's finally, you know, just kind of he's out there just freewheeling it at this point. And I think that, you know, that kind of gives him a lot of um, stress-free golf where he can go out and really play really well. Would he finish this week? T3? No, T5 this week um, mm-hmm. at the Century. So, yeah, I mean, he'll probably just kind of continue on and um, hopefully play well. Um, I'm going to go Jordan Spieth, the household name in the field this week. Um, pretty decent showing at the at the Century T13. Um, I think his game's in a, in a pretty decent sh- spot. The We saw some... I don't know if you even want to say almost like swing yips last last year um, or last season, really. Um, a lot of a long dress rehearsal for for his swing as well. Um, but a lot of that's really kind of, um, you know, kind of gone away. And I think we're we're maybe back to to seeing Jordan and not necessarily Jordan in his prime, but at least the good kind of reliable, consistent Jordan that we've uh, we've come to know and love. So I'm going to go Jordan Speed this week. And uh, hopefully he can uh, he can get it done for me. Hopefully he doesn't pull some putter out of his attic from when he was in elementary school and and bring that this week. I don't know. I don't know that we've ever seen him really play around with uh, with putters, have we? No, I don't think so. Not no. that I can think. Of. And I would hate for someone to even suggest that to him because you know what? Sorry, what I was going to say. Jordan is pretty much a. I don't want to say he's an overthinker, but you can tell Jordan you know, it, it takes a lot for him to process some, some things. So I think if anyone brought out a bunch of putters for him to start playing around with and suggest that he puts another one in the bag could be a, uh, pretty detrimental to him. You know what he does need to change though? What? The grip, the grip on his putter. Have y'all seen that thing? Oh, it's I mean, funky. If you're super stroke, like you have to be upset because the logo is just gone from the grip. It's just, a little bit of black and mostly white where he's just worn it down. Uh, but I guess I thought, he's... I thought he just changed it. Wasn't there a story where he had just changed it? Like maybe like at the beginning of last year or something like that? Cause I could have I sworn that. Maybe they, maybe I'm thinking of another player, but I agree. I mean, I understand that you, you know, when you get a new super stroke, the, the feel is, is maybe not what you want. But I mean, come on. A little bit of rain on that thing and that's got to be slick. I don't know. I don't know. As someone who doesn't like changing putter grips, I really respect the fact that he'll play with it until it's absolutely revolting. (laughs) You know? Just absolutely revolting. I have the putter that I'm playing, I've been putting with since 2005. And under the tennis tape is still the original grip. Mm. Now, I do change the tennis tape, and it is... As you've seen, it's about time for me to change the tape on that. But no, I love that. I love seeing just how nasty his putter grip is. Yeah, character. So, it's it's character. It is. And I mean it kind of it kind of fits who he is as a person. Um, but yeah, him and that putter are like uh it's uh, like Harry Potter and his wand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. Right. Because I think in Harry Potter, like the wands are like you don't Pick your wand. The, the wand chooses you, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to claim to know. I don't yeah. know for sure. I don't. I don't, I don't know either. For sure. I, I may. I may, have been, 
I may have been forced <laughs> to watch one or two of those movies from my kids. So I may know the answer to that, and you may be correct. But Sterling slowly. Yeah, he's slowly pushing the book collection out of frame right now. You guys <laughs> yeah. can't see that. He's no, got them all here. Uh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it JK says Rowling. if you don't use if you don't use your wand, like you, the magic might be poor. <laughs> right. Oh, <no. laughs> I don't know. I do remember like Ron broke his wand and like he would say a spell and it just wouldn't work out the way he wanted to. So I think there's something going on there. Mm. Um, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Sony is a uh, is an interesting one. Did you? Oh, so one thing I want to get back to with the tournament champions elevated event. Did we feel? Well, did we feel anything? Did it feel so, elevated? Mm-hmm. So first of all, did you hear that they're now calling them designated events? I did not. In the coverage, in the coverage they referred to it repeatedly as a designated event. Hmm. which felt really watered down to me. Like they're working way too hard to try to keep the the John Deere's and the Hondas and things of that nature, those sponsors of non-elevated events, trying to not rub it in quite so much. Okay, I got you. Yeah, which I, I didn't like. Let's Let's own this and just, you know, call it what it is. But mm-hmm. I understand the PGA Tour is going to, Try to please everybody. Yeah, they've got a lot of sponsors that they've got to please. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you can you can call it what you want, but pretty much everyone knows what it is. Um, you know, when you when the money goes to certain certain tour stops and not others, I think you can you can pretty much guess what's going on. So, so I mean, I did think that this weekend felt like a big deal. I, I do. I and I don't know if it's necessarily this event. Or the fact that we haven't had any kind of a any kind of an official PGA Tour event for over a month, or the fact that we haven't seen a field like this since basically the Tour Championship. But this definitely, it felt like a big deal. It scratched the itch for me. Yeah, I mean, to me, it didn't really feel like anything different than than this tournament, other than so there were some bigger names there. Um, but for me, it wasn't like. You know, I, I guess for me, like the money and everything really didn't come to mind, even though obviously the money's there. Last place gets 200 grand. But I think for me, it was just kind of seeing all of all of the bigger names um, at an event. So I, I guess if that's what we're going to see, and it sounds like we are, obviously, but um, that's really what I'm looking for. The money isn't really, that doesn't really do it for me. Like if someone's winning $2 million, $3 million, like great for them. But I think if it, for the for the viewer for the fan i think if it's you're just seeing the best players there every week um then then that's kind of what what you're looking forward to oh i think absolutely and you know one of the things we we kind of touched on it a little bit last week in how did non-winners get into the field and it was because everyone who made the tour championship last year yeah i heard that in coverage and I'm in on that. I'm way in on that. Morikawa is not even here if they don't make that change. Yeah. So I think that was a good addition. Yeah. I definitely think that was a good addition. I'll ask you, um, Mike, and then Sterling, I'll get your thoughts as well. Um, I don't know how much of the coverage you watched, but um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. 
Smiley Kaufman on the ground. What are your thoughts? Kind of his first full tournament. Obviously, he's been doing some some guest stuff, and he's just been kind of, I guess, on a trial basis. But his first official event. What what are your what are your thoughts? I was I was happy with the performance. I liked him. Um, definitely felt like he had a little bit more insight into the mind of a modern PGA Tour pro. Not, I'm not saying that to in any way, you know, run down Raj or Gary, but, you know, I feel like he is, we talked about this before, but he's a little bit more in tune with what's going on. Um, I like how, I forget who it was, who when they threw it to Smiley was talking about one of his, you know, or his win on tour. You know, and it was a much more recent win. You know, you're not talking about Roger Malpe or Gary Koch winning something back in the 80s. He's definitely done this and done this much more recently. So I feel like that that kind of lends a lot of credence to uh, to his insight. So yeah, I was you know, really happy with uh, really happy with his performance. Before I answer this question, I'm going to ask you, Madison, what you thought. I thought he did a great job. Like I said, I, I thought that the the voice that you hear right as you're watching needs to be a little more relatable to the viewer and the viewers that, or I guess the demographic um, that golf is going after right now is the younger generation, right? You need people, the the younger people to continue to drive the um, drive the sport at this point. Right. And that was one of the biggest issues for a while is a lot of the, the fans were older, right? They weren't watching as much, or maybe they weren't coming to an event as much. So I think bringing someone in who is younger, right, who is the same age as most of the the, the younger tour guide um, and having them, you know, on course, that's that's who you kick it to, not a Roger Maltby. And don't get me wrong, I love Roger Maltby. I love Gary Coke. Those are great guys um, because that's what I've just always heard. But having Smiley on the mic this week, um, you know, I thought I thought it was great. And it's kind of the same thing that I get whenever it's Fox and Shane Bacon's on or, or anybody like that. They're just much more relatable. I agree with both of you. But my only thing is if we're really trying to, you know, grow the game of golf, especially to the towards the younger crowd, um, it's it's a different voice, but I think he's saying the same things. Like I was hoping Smiley would come in and give us almost like a little bit of what JT gives us in the match. Not to that extreme. <laughs> not to that extreme. Right. But I don't know. Like the the game of golf is a little too serious. It's buttoned up. I, I think you're looking, I think you need to wait for CBS because you're looking for cult notes. Yeah. Yeah, and- maybe. I, I don't know that Smiley's got that. Because that's pretty, I mean, what Colt Nose can do, kind of treading that line between funny and serious and being able to switch back and forth and be able to do it reliably and not have it come off like shtick. Like, like Faraday, Faraday started to really just kind of be a caricature of himself i thought mm-hmm. towards the end but colt knows i think knows when to do it knows when to be funny knows when to be serious you know and uh, that's a gift that a lot of folks just don't have yeah so if okay. they need that sterling they may need a different guy 
they may need to look for someone else if that's what you need. Or maybe like Smiley just needs more time. Like this is his first official, like this is, he's, he's, he's an announcer, right? For the whole year. I think mm-hmm. he did some stuff in the past, but maybe he just needs to get a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think when Colin was struggling, definitely not like a funny situation, but like when he scolds that bunker shot, like maybe Smiley could come in and say like, Oh, that looked like, you know, average Joe Smo down at your local Muni, just like playing on the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think a little, a small jab, not a, you know, a really mean and a hurtful jab, but because that was, it was tough to watch, but I don't know, just like a little, some, some jokes. Like, have you guys seen RG3 and his like commentating for football? He's gotten in trouble with some of the things he has said, but he's not afraid to say them. And mm-hmm. I think it's actually pretty interesting. And that could just be Smiley still kind of like navigating, right? And still kind of figuring it out, right? You're you've signed the contract now. You're you're official. This is your year. Um, you don't want to get you don't want to get let go um, in the first event. So I think it it it's going to be something that hopefully continues to evolve. And um, he does really kind of find his own his own voice. But I I agree. It is it's the same thing coming out of a different voice but i guess where i am right is i can relate to that voice much more than a roger malpe um or gary coke that's kind of what i'm saying i i agree it's still the same thing same messaging right but a different vessel so one other thing that i wanted to get you guys opinion on was that that final commercial free hour that callaway gave us and Obviously, they had to have just been thrilled that John Rahm was so prominently featured during that hour. But how do you guys think that went? Was that something that you'd want to see again? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's it's a it's it's a great idea, and I hope that it it stays right. Um, and it just so happened to be perfect with John Rahm um, going on his tear as as they're showing it. Right, using of course him using the new paradigm driver. As well, I'm sure that was those cash and those checks. Yeah, I'd love to see, um, you know, I, and I don't, it doesn't have to be Callaway each week. Well, whoever can do it. But if someone wants to do it each week, the final hour, I know that's a lot to ask for. I mean, obviously, the whole round would be beautiful. The whole final round or the, at least, you know, the back nine. But if we get an hour of commercial free coverage um, coming down the stretch, especially in a tournament like today, now, if it was a blowout, right, and Colin carried the seven-shot lead all the way through the end of the tournament, I probably wouldn't. I probably really wouldn't bat an eye at it. It wouldn't be anything that would, that would, uh, you know, tickle my fancy or anything, Sterling. <laughs> um, but why are you saying my name after that? Because <laughs> I knew, I knew as soon as I'd say it, you were going to cut me a look. Uh, so. Um, but today, right? Like if it's the tournaments like this, where it's just action packed for the last, you know, five, six, seven holes, if they want to continue doing it, I'm all for it. And I hope that they do. Um, I'm sure it's not cheap. I don't know how much Callaway paid for that. And, um, you know, but they definitely got their money's worth with John Rom winning. Yeah. And I thought it was really well done just the way they did it with the border almost in a playing through style, but only it times when it was wide shots they weren't tight on someone you know nobody was about to hit at that point i think that if they could continue to execute it like that absolutely i would love to see that week in week out or even if they can just do it during the 
designated event. <laughs> right. Again, I would be I would be thrilled to see some more sponsors step up and sponsor that last hour that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would almost say instead of them running um instead of running their ads, because that's really what you see, right? The title sponsor they'll throw commercials in, especially during the last round. They'll have like 30 commercials of just that the the title sponsor. If instead they wanted to have a border that just sat on my screen for the last hour, like I'm fine with that. I'd I'd much rather see that than than playing through, which we've talked about always kind of wipes away at the worst worst possible time. Um but yeah, that's hopefully what we'll see for the the elevated events. I mean, I know enough people have been asking for more coverage. So um hopefully it, it continues on. Yeah, Sterling, what's your take? Huh. Uh I didn't notice it honestly until you until you brought it up. Um okay. but I agree. I mean, as long as things are interesting, um yeah, as as long as things are interesting and exciting, it's great. Um, but like you said, if if Colin is seven shots clear, I I could care less if they go to commercial because am I gonna watch, you know, if he's seven shots clear? Um, but no, I thought it was pretty interesting. Definitely. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've covered everything for this week on tour. Uh, we have our picks in for next week for the Sony. Um, a couple things uh, as far as two and one goes in social media, we will be releasing the other ball review tomorrow, which is Monday, January 9th. So check that out on YouTube. We also have an interesting video where Madison plays Providence golf course and we sit down with him. And just kind of go through his thoughts, um, what he was thinking, why he played a certain shot, what could he have done better. Better uh, That'll be coming next weekend, so stay tuned for that also on YouTube. Um, but other than that, check us out on all socials, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all at 2-in-1 Golf or 2-in-1 Golf Podcast. And we'll see you real soon.